When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's mid-June. It's time for another podcast with me, Russell, and him, Peter. Hello, Pete. How are you doing? Hey, Russ. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. How's the wedding preps going? All good, thanks. Yeah, only two, two and a half, three days to go, so pretty close. Yeah, I mean, tomorrow's the anti-penultimate day of freedom. I think that's right. Um, no, today is the anti-penultimate day of freedom, isn't it? I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure I'll word it quite like that. <laughs> <laughs> the question is, what would be the day before anti-penultimate? Is there yeah, a anti-penultimate? <laughs> Just keep adding anti at the start. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, excellent. Um, there's been quite a bit going on, so we thought we'd have another update podcast on quite a bit of news going on. Some have been related, some not. Um, all interesting, I think, and worthy of debate. Um, so where do we start? Probably with the glorious victory for England last night in the uh, final one of the four Nations League games. An excellent 4-0 home thrashing uh, against, oh no, sorry, by Hungary. Oh dear, that wasn't too good, was it? Um, you're you're wow. now Harry Kane involved, though. I managed to miss it quite luckily, so uh, I was quite pleased about that. So did I after the second goal. <laughs> I think I think England obviously are a bit kind of yeah kind of knackered. I think after the season and it's just not clicking generally, and they're trying to experiment with things. And you know it doesn't really the nation's league doesn't really matter in a way. If we go down to level B, we've got a better chance of you getting through to something by qualifying anyway. So because you've got to top the group and then win the whole level for to do that. So. We actually probably got a better chance of actually qualifying if we don't make it through somewhere else. It is slightly worrying with the World Cup, obviously not that far off though. There's only two more games before the World Cup, so it's yeah. it's not a great build up. And I see and that the, the fans are also been forced to try and push Southgate out, even though <laughs> even though it's like two games away from a World Cup. It does, I mean, it, I, I'm not Southgate's biggest fan. I, I think he's not. You know, I do think obviously he's got a, he's got a very good record on paper, but maybe sometimes he doesn't let them, you know, kind of express themselves with the attacking talent we've got. But sacking him now would be ridiculous, and I don't see any way that England will be doing that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, while he's not the premium choice overall, he, yeah, he, he carries. I think uh, he does a lot of good things in terms of yeah. the way he carries himself, the, the, all the diplomacy stuff. I think the way he's kind of consolidating everyone together, he's giving certain new players a chance, and I think you know he, we, we've done well under him in terms of getting to a final, oh, and then before that a semi final in uh, Euros and World yeah, Cup. Yeah, you can't argue his record. I agree. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I don't mind in a way that this result happens now because it could be a, a blip which fires us on for later on. It might be a blessing in disguise. Um, but I mean, the, the, the main issue for me is it's um, the timing of these games is ridiculous, isn't it? We've come off the back of the COVID issues with the lockdowns and the jarred schedule for football over the last couple of years. We're still really in the the final throes of consolidating that situation. And yet here we are finishing a season where the, the players are still going to be pretty tired from, from that collective period of time. And we've chucked in a four games in 10 days, I think it is, schedule, at least for England. I don't know if it, for the others. I think it's for everyone. I think, yeah, I think it was, yeah. Um, and they've come off the back of a very long season in a number of cases, those players, not just the England matches, but elsewhere as well. People have been playing Premier League, arduous long Premier League campaigns, 
people talk about Man City, they'll talk about Liverpool, who played in every game feasibly that could have been played by by one team in a season, literally, because they got to every final and obviously had a, had a full league season. Um, and they had Trent Alexander-Arnold playing the first two games, albeit he was then sent, sent for his holidays afterwards. But why is he involved at all? You know what he's yeah. all about. Do we need him to play? Raheem Sterling, I know they rotate a bit more City, but Sterling's another example. Jared Bowen, I know he's going to want his chance to get into the England team and and fair play to him, congratulations to him. But, you know, it's the wrong timing to try and make an impression. It's difficult enough. Under yeah, pressure. West Ham had a lot of games, didn't they? With, uh, well, they got to a final, so they played not as many games as Liverpool. But they played most yeah. of the same number and they have probably less rotation, I would yeah. imagine, than, than Liverpool too. So for me, I think the timing is that is the biggest culprit here. I do it's think all because of the farce of the World Cup, isn't it? It's all, it all, everything stems from that because they can only have one international break during the early part of the season. And yeah, yeah, it's just ridiculous. And to be honest, they should have just scrapped the Europa League and said to, to, to for now for this summer and just said, look, next season they will do it next year instead or something. Hmm. But that would involve like you know, and if, they, if clubs if teams wanted to play friendly, they could and they didn't have to though. Well, the, you mean the Nations League? Yeah. Yeah, you said Europa League. Oh, that's Did I? Use that for a minute. Um, yeah, sorry, Nations League, yeah. So so there's the issue of the tiredness. And I, I do think that the issue of the results, and you want to play against the better sides, and obviously that can be beneficial if it's played at the right time. But it's more damaging to then have the double done over you by Hungary, a team who had... The first game at home, which was behind closed doors, my foot, uh, because of this loophole, which is ridiculous. At least the the, the children and their accompanying adults didn't boo the uh, take you of the knee. Oh, hang on a minute. Yes, they did. So that made that vindicated, didn't it? And letting them in. Um, there is there is that. I side. think the same was done. Was it one of the Prague teams had the similar yeah. fan when they were when they booed a Rangers player in Europe, and then they had exactly the same. They had a lot of fans in, and they were booing. He was taking the knee as well. Yeah. It's like, well, why have this loophole? Surely just, if it's behind closed doors, it's behind closed doors. And then we, bizarrely, had about 3,000 or something like that at the, at the game at Wolves the other day, which is very yeah. odd. Because it's like, well, if you're going to break the rule, or to ever use the loophole, why not at least just do it properly and have a yeah. full of house or whatever? Well, loopholes are there to be exploited, but they're then there to be squeezed shut. And why wasn't that squeezed shut sooner yeah. if there's been a previous incident uh, before? They're crazy. And they're incompetent. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, so it's a bit of a damaging couple of results against Hungary. It's meaningless in one sense, and if we can learn from it, then great. Also, um, calling losing to Hungary as well for the obvious. It's very calling, given what we've just said as well. But I mean, I think Italy were were in dreadful form before the um, Euros, weren't they? Yeah, and, uh, and then they hit the ground running. So it, yeah, and it has been since as well. Seeing as they didn't even qualify for the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens on that one. But um, I'm. I'm I think that there is an Albion connotation, obviously, as well, that if people were to clamber for Southgate's head and it was to gain any kind of traction and he did actually get removed, then we might have a bit of a problem here because Potter is the highest ranked English manager by position in table this season um, with us in, in ninth and Newcastle, I think, in 11th with um, just two points behind, actually, uh, with Eddie Howe, of course. And then you've got Stephen Gerrard and Frank Lampard. They're the only, um, well, they, they were the only four English managers, I think, and it goes up to five with Parker coming up. Uh, this season uh, as well uh, for next year, for next season. But, um, you know, you, you look at 
possible options. And if you are looking for an English manager and you don't want to go down an old path, which I really don't think we should do, um, with the emphasis on the word old, Hodgson, Allardyce, all of that lot, then you are looking at... I'm pretty sure they wouldn't go for Allardyce after all that. <laughs> You'd be quite quickly looking at the likes of Graham Potter, wouldn't you? I wonder if Lampard actually might be a better fit in a way, because he's got more of an England vibe, hasn't he, in terms of his playing career uh, than Potter has. And maybe it's maybe a better fit because he's... Left. They could appoint both Gerard and Lampard and uh, <laughs> yes. they and could like, crowd them into the job like they used to make them play together in midfield as well. <laughs> you get skulls in as well, but then yeah. just ignore him. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that's enough about England anyway. But other than to say, we hope this wouldn't in some way lead to Graham Potter yeah. coming uh, to be honest with you, Southgate's had a couple of rough games and he's had a very tired squad to work with. I don't think there's too much to read into this. Yes, he's World Cup will decide a lot of it, won't it? I mean, if we do well in the World Cup again, then any talk will go. If we don't do well at the World Cup, then, you know, which is perfectly possible because it's not a great place. England don't travel to, the, you know, to other continents that well in World Cups quite often. Mm. You know, we, we are generally our success has been, I'd say, probably overall in Europe, probably. You know, like, we don't, you know, if obviously the conditions don't suit us there, yeah. even though it's like obviously winter, but so it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough one. And obviously the Premier League season is even more of an impact this time because it's right in the middle of it rather than the number of number of games we play. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, the World Cup impacts the season, isn't it? We'll we'll get onto a little bit more about that later when we talk about transfers because at one point it's going to make about Erling Haaland because he's he's his team's not qualify for the World Cup, he's going to be, not, not only have City got an astonishingly good asset there, but they're also going to have him rested halfway through the season. Yeah. It's terrifying. <laughs> That's like slightly worrying for everyone else. I mean, I, th- I think probably the reality is it will benefit the teams of the bigger squads and the more money, in yeah. essence, because there'll be more two-game you know, two weeks, hmm. um, which will mean more need to squad rotation. The, the, as well, the, the subs rule. Yeah, exactly. And the teams who've got the ability to do that more easily... Or, you know, and have better better backup will will benefit it. But I mean, there was no real way around it, was there? It was just, I mean, it's it's still obscene that FIFA basically made that decision anyway, and let Qatar get get out of the fact that they promised to do it in the summer and they could do it in the summer. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's that one one of the line on the World Cup actually. Before we move subjects, um, Stephanie Frappart and other female refs at the World Cup for the first time, pretty good. And they've they've covered some senior. Um, tournaments and matches in recent years there's been a bit of a grow towards this um it's now happening it's great isn't it I, yeah I think they should have the best officials around the world there whether the you know men women wherever they're from they should have it's a, it's the biggest sporting event in the world or possibly the second biggest after the Olympics they should have the best officials whether they're men or women as far yeah. as I'm concerned and I mean given some of the, the ones we watch they can't be any worse than that <laughs> yeah indeed yeah um one player who'll be at the World Cup, of course, is Courtois. Um, just one word on the Champions League. We've talked about all the, the issues that happen at the Champions League. But one thing that's kind of gone under the radar because of all of that is the fact that um, Courtois was apparently motivated to play so well by a 4-4-2 article in which he was excluded from a top 10 goalkeepers in the world uh, list. Did you hear about that? No. <laughs> um, he said he was apparently um, he was interviewed somewhere after the match. Yeah, this man-of-the-match type performance, well done and everything else and all that. And he just volunteered out of the blue without any prompting um, this rant about 442 Magazine having left him out of this top 10. Incredible. I mean, if that's genuinely 
motivated them to win. You can feel Liverpool could feel as hard done by as Brighton did with that playoff against Palace, which where Pugate, which was entirely their of their own making, literally, um, was um, was motivational to the tune of uh, of beating us in at the Amex. Um, so I don't know, four four two gates doesn't quite sound as good, does it? That's right, though. <laughs> just a little bit. Um, keeping on this sort of like the big six matters as well. One other thing, of course, um, the Chelsea takeover has happened since we were last on air um, a while ago. Now it feels like it's what's his name, Eric Bowley, is it or something? Or, Bowley, yeah, something like that. He's now taken over, so it seems like Chelsea are back on track. The Abramovich era finally comes to the end. We're all yeah, very relieved about that. Yeah, that's third place guaranteed again. Then probably, <laughs> who knows? Um, yeah, with their uh, 15, no, Lukaku being loaned out to Inter after his 100 million pound move last year. Yeah, exactly. Is, uh, yeah. And Inter saw them coming. It's talking yeah. of like a 15 million pound fee for a loan deal. I suppose the answer is they keep him on, on, on a deal of six years and loan him out each year. They might get most of their money back. Yeah. Um, some other movements as well. Um, company has gone to Burnley. This is interesting. Interesting. Uh, by all accounts, he plays a very different brand of football to, to that which Burnley fans have been used to in recent years. Um, and he's, uh, he's moved from Anderlecht to join. I think his contract was running out. He, he let it run down or something. I'm not, sure, not quite sure what the, the exact um, circumstances were. But he's moved to Burnley, freshly into the championship, of course. So he's going to have a lot of games to manage and with a more proactive style of football. Uh, an interesting move. How do you think they might do? It's early to say, obviously, with depends on the size. Yeah, it's pretty difficult to tell, but it, to change their... I mean, they've lost quite a few players. They've lost Tarkowski, they've lost me, they've lost... Uh, well, Stevens obviously, but he didn't really play. Um, mm. They're going to lose V-Course, so they will get some money for him. He seems pretty clear he's going to go. Probably lose McNeil, I'd have thought. Doubt he's going to stay. Uh, probably going to lose Cornet, so they're going to have a... You know, probably going to lose Pope as well, I'd have thought. So that's potentially a really big turnover, although potentially does raise money as well for them. But yeah, it's it's a hard one, isn't it? Because I mean, I, I would not be unhappy if they stayed down quite a while. But yeah, it's an interesting I mean, choice. It's a the other interesting one this week. I thought was John Dal Thomason going to Blackburn. Yes, yeah. Who's, um, obviously done quite well at Malmo, um, and won the league with him a couple of times. But uh, no experience. But it's an interesting one, obviously, because we obviously, as, as from experience, know that. You can do quite well. I've been coming from Sweden and you know worked in Sweden at one point. So, good luck to him. But it's like an interesting, interesting appointment because Mowbray has done really well there, and he's actually taken to the, the playoffs or in up into the playoffs this year. But they, yeah, um, head scratcher, wasn't it? They, they just allowed his contract to run out and, and weren't interested in renewing. Yeah, I, don't, I think they kind of felt it. Kind of, I suppose I think the second half of the season they had a bit of a bad run, which is why they missed out on the playoffs in the end. That was largely yeah. due to injuries, though. They all yeah. the players got injured. Yeah, Bres and Dice was out for quite a while, wasn't yeah. they? Yeah, but of course they they will lose two of their best players as well in um, Van Heck and uh, and uh, Pedro as well. Yes. Indeed, That's I lovely. think they're losing someone on a free transfer to Bournemouth as well, Roth Rothwell or something like that, and yeah. and they've lost. They're captain Lenahan and they're potentially going to lose, I imagine, Bresson Diaz. So they're going to be quite a big rebuilding a big job. Challenge, that, isn't it? Yeah, for, especially the game with a manager with no championship experience or anything. So I don't, I don't know much about Rothbard, I'll, I'll confess. But obviously, if he's going to a, a newly promoted Premier League yeah. club, then you'd imagine that uh, he's got a bit about him. So, well, they're yeah. better players from what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be difficult for them. Um, just moving up the scale, of course, um, I've just realised we didn't mention um, that, of course, uh, Ten Hag has joined Man United probably since we were last doing a pod. Um, so that was long mooted, of course. I think it's a good appointment. Whether the, the other stuff around Man United is anywhere near being yeah. well organised enough is another matter. But they have at least got a decent coach that's looking to 
develop a project and develop players over time, which is what they need. They've obviously they've got a couple of decent looking signings either made or in the in the lineup. Uh, De Jong thereafter, aren't they? Which of course is an old uh, an old player of um, Ten Hag's from Ajax. Um, I don't know what, what is Van der Beek. You know, is it Van der Beek still? Yeah, he's um, still there. I think he only went alone to Everton. So he's back with with Ten Hag as well. Um, interesting to see what they do. A few people released. They tried to go for Darwin Nunes, but um, failed, of course, because moving swiftly on to transfers, two massive signings to the Premier League. Um, Harlan, we've already alluded to, whose dad, of course, played for Man City. He's now um, followed in their tradition. Um, hopefully, more expensively. Yeah, hopefully he won't get his career in, in, um, ended by Roy Keane. But um, anyway, um, <laughs> he's he's fantastic, fantastic player. Uh, extraordinary looking guy. He looks too kind of tall and awkward to be as good as he is. But he really is the absolute epitome of the, of the first class striker, isn't he, in every regard. He's good with both feet. He's instinctive. He's quick. Very quick for a big man, as they say in cliche terms. Um and he's just prolific. I think he scored 86 goals in 89 games in the two seasons that he's been with Dortmund prior to his, his move, um, which is pretty impressive. Um, I think his Champions League ratio, I don't know the figures, obviously less than that, but it's it's something along a similar ratio, which is pretty impressive as well. Um, so I, I just think that um, he's going to be a superb addition to the Premier League. Bad news for anyone who's trying to challenge for the title or anyone who's trying to defend his attacks on goal. So I'm not expecting us to crack Man City again this season. But, um, yeah, obviously a great deal for them and, and quite good value, really, when you think about it. Um, the other one, of course, is Darwin Nunes, who the Albion have been linked with on a couple of occasions. We've made a couple of bids, I think. Um, by all accounts, he was playing us off to get a better deal in the shorter term with Benfica, by, by what we understand. I don't think he was ever realistically interested in joining us, although Benfica might have sold him to us if he had been. Um, and I think the fee was back then we, that was being talked about was, what, 25? No. Yeah. 30, no, 25. 25. Yeah. And the deal that has gone through now for Liverpool in the last 24 hours is for an initial £64 million, uh, rising to £85 million, That's pounds. Um, so roughly about €100 million, Euro, uh, which is... Um, a staggeringly larger figure than the one we were talking about. Um, he looks a very good player. He has stepped on significantly in the last year, um, particularly eye-catchingly in the Champions League, because the Portuguese league is is one you can't really judge too much by. But the um, the Champions League performances, including games against Liverpool, unsurprisingly, would have caught, caught their eye. Uh, he's going to be a brilliant addition as well. He's a younger player. Um, he's on an even longer deal than Haaland. He's on a six-year deal, I think it is. Um, I think he's 22 at the moment. Uh, he's really looking great, isn't he? And uh, adding to their amazing firepower, even if Mane does leave, um, I think they've already got a ready-made replacement, haven't they? Yeah, and it's. I think in both situations, it's interesting that there is, you know, there's a lot of talk about whether both teams are slightly evolving their tactics because both Nunes and Haaland are much more natural strikers rather than anywhere in a front three than either of them have. City especially, I mean, Haaland... It, can only play, Nunes can play a bot wide if needed at times, but prefers the middle. Whereas Haaland is definitely centre forward. He doesn't, he doesn't move around. He's very much like, they say it's like his, his play, maybe his, his, main, his only real weakness is the kind of his connection with players and his movement, movement and that sort of thing in terms of like moving, you know, swapping places with players. And so I think it suggests that both of them are, you know, and obviously City have failed to, you know, play without a striker really the last two seasons because Aguero's not really been 
um, available to it last year and obviously not getting then left this season. The interesting um, one also could be the, the other new signing, Sergio Mendes Alvarez, um, who sounds a very exciting talent from River Plate, I think, wasn't it, or something like that? Yeah. So, I mean, from going from they've got what, no natural striker, really, to going to two is no. uh, an interesting step and suggests that Pep may be kind of, yeah, playing players around a, a striker rather than necessarily doing the kind of, you know, the way they've played with more freedom recently. But, yeah, I think Liverpool have, I mean, Nunes will have time as well because they're even with Mane gone, they've still got Yotta, they've still got Diaz, they've still got Salah, Firmino. So they've got time to bed him in and give him a chance to maybe play a few kind of, you know, sub appearances early on and that sort of thing. And I think Klopp was playing down his involved, you know, how 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 expectations initially it was a six year deal and that's what they were talking about. So but yeah, I think I think signings like that mean the top two will be even further clear next season and it'll be yeah. another interesting race. You probably saw City have definitely got a better deal on paper because they've got a cheaper deal for a, I'd say, better player at the moment. But Nunes' potential is huge, so it could be both yeah. of them do very well out of it. I think it's hard that... to find a deal for like fifty or million pounds as a bargain, but I mean, Harland is. I mean, you can't really argue with that, can you? Given that what some players go for these days. Exactly. Absolutely immense, and I think both are really good fits in that Harland. You know, there's going to be more emphasis on him as one of only a few actual out-and-out strikers, but then he's he's got the swagger to, to do that. If there is any pressure on Nunes to to fit in, it's tempered by the fact there are other goal-scoring figureheads already at the club, even if Manu does leave. Um, you've got, obviously, you've got Salah, and you've got Diego Jota, and you've now got the Diaz, who's coming into the equation as well. You have got other players there, even losing Mane and with Rigi leaving as well. Um, you've, you've still got another... Yeah. Other strikers that they that can take the pressure off a little bit more, I think. Um, it's gone other days where in Liverpool, if you if one of Salah and Mane and Firmino was missing, that they dropped quite significantly in quality. You know, they are uh, they now have like I mean, those five options when you add Nunes in and then let let Mane go are, are quite frightening. And Firmino is probably you know backup backup now yeah. properly, and he's a pretty good player. Plus, they've got the young players like Carvalho, who they signed from Fulham, and Elias, who are both yeah, very capable as well. It could make it interesting. They might get a chance now, because obviously Minamino is going as well. So their kind yeah. of fifth, fifth, sixth choice options have gone down, really. Kind of. You have to say Diaz on paper was a player at the signing of last season. He looked superb second half of the season after he signed. Considering yeah. that, you know, it sometimes takes players a time to adapt when he signed in January from overseas. He just hit the ball, you know, hit the, hit the ground running and was brilliant. And mm. yeah, he. He he does go down very easily, which is not unusual of a, should we say, of South American players. But he, uh, but other than that, he I mean at the Amex he was brilliant. I thought when he, when we played, we played them, despite getting poleaxed by uh, Sanchez. Yeah. In, ca- in case you're wondering, by the way, we are going to come on to Brighton transfers uh, in the second part of this podcast. But just keep, keep you on the general theme. Any Anything else that's caught your eye from the transfer window so far? Nothing else has happened. There's not been loads. Villa have been quite busy, haven't they? Um, yeah. uh, Diego Carlos, yeah. Coutinho on a permanent and someone else. Um, oh, yeah. I uh, can't remember the name of the other guy. Yeah, but they've, they've, they've signed three, haven't they? Um, oh, is it, is it Olsen on a permanent, having on the, the, the loanee, wasn't it? Or they signed someone else. Anyway, Spurs, they, 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 they look quite well. Spurs have signed three players. We'll mention one of them in part two. Um, but the other two are pretty much backup, aren't they? I mean, Perisic was a very good player, but I feel like maybe his time's gone now and uh, Forster is only going to be backup to Lloris. He's never going to be first choice. No, I, think, I think Perisic is a good signing for the short to medium term for them. Yeah. I think he, he could be really good for a couple more years, actually. 
I think so. But he's probably not going to be a, a play every game at his age and that sort of thing. Kind of. Not, the interesting yeah. one today seems to be breaking is the, the city keeper going to Southampton, who's going to be very highly rated, but Bazunu or B- um, oh, yeah. he's, he's quite decent. Yeah. But yeah, it's not been loads. It's been quite quiet, hasn't it, really, Premier League, generally? Leeds have been a couple as Newcastle have been pretty quiet. I know they've confirmed Target on a permanent deal after his loan, um, but they've got they've got um, obviously Etikike, Eti, is it? I think they're after. Um, I can't remember how to pronounce it now. Um, who are they? Botman as well. They're, they're, they're being linked with. Mokai they're after the same same targets as before, which is fair enough. Um, but they've been fairly quiet so far. Dare I say it? Does that mean they're continuing to be quite sensible in their approach? Maybe they're not rushing into things. Hmm. Interesting. Their form probably after the you know after the January transfer is pretty good anyway, so they can probably you know afford to you know be, they'd probably be like seventh or eighth next season if they just naturally carry that form on and add a few more you know decent players. But yeah. then the jump is then to get above even getting above the likes of Man U and Arsenal and that sort of thing is quite a big jump. Then to yeah. kind of you have to throw a lot of money at it to that point probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think. The other one, this. Um, well, the other, obviously, the big news that I'm um, the chance to talk about is uh, at Worthing, where uh, Adam Hinchel was trying to reunite his team from the mid 2000s in uh, with the uh, <laughs> signings of Jake Robinson and and right. I mean, Robinson's on paper strikes a really good signing, but Adam Alab is slightly more bizarre. I mean, he's 37, and I'm not sure he's been playing at all recently. I don't much. So. Wonder if it ties in with any possible coaching affiliation. But, yeah. They've also got back um, the striker who was on loan uh, uh, from Dorking last year, whose name I can't remember. Um, oh, uh, Callum Callum Healy. yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it was a good. That's a good signing. And, and yeah, I mean, Jake Robinson was playing for Dartford, who were in a promotion campaign all season uh, at the level above where Worthing yeah. were and where Worthing have now moved into. Um, so and got ten goals last year as well. So he's obviously still even at thirty-five. Yeah. So by my current count, you've, we've now got ex-Albion players at Worthing are listed as Jake Robinson, Dean Cox, Adam Elabd, uh, Reese Meekums, who was in the youth setup at Albion, and Jesse Starkey, who had a more kind of progressive um, contribution in the youth ranks. He didn't quite make it in the end, but I think he may have made his debut in a League Cup match. Or yeah, I think he, that might ring the bell, yeah. Five Albion players that we know of. That's the manager. And Pattenden, of course, was, I didn't realise, was um, ex-Albion as well. He was in Albion's youth set-up, the, the, the star player for Worthing on the right wing, who's probably moving on, though, this year. And as you said, Hinch, the manager as well. Um, I, I'd imagine there's some more people behind the scenes as well. Um, but, yeah, Al- Albion United, you could call them, or something. <laughs> reunited. Albion reunited. Hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's pretty good going. And... Looking forward to seeing how that pans out. Lewis yeah, who, was um, denied that Federico Torienzo is being targeted. <laughs> oh my word! Yes, and um, and uh, Richard Tiltman. <laughs> there, there we go. A different part. era to Hinch, I Mark think. Barrington. Yeah, if they if they're coming out, that's going to be really really yeah. bad news. Um, one one thing on the local strand as well. We we talked about Worthing going up into the National South. Uh, we talked about Hastings going up into the Ismian Prem and Lewis get, um, winning the um, the county thing, going into the Ismian's second tier. Um, so lots of people. Moving... I mean, sorry, I mean Littlehampton, not Lewis. Oh, did I say Lewis? Sorry, I yes. I thought you said Lewis. Anyway, I could be mentioning. Yes, I'm, I'm not done. Sorry, Littlehampton. Yeah, and Littlehampton, of course, missed out in the FA bars, but they did. Um, they did win three trophies they did do a treble the promotion of course has title winners and two localized or divisional cup competitions um one of which was after the vars so they got close to the quadruple liverpool did then 
<laughs> exactly. Well, they did really, yeah, I suppose, technically. One game away, weren't they? Whereas Liverpool were technically two games away, I suppose, or something. But um, anyway, that's that's pretty much that. We'll, we'll, we'll focus, um, hopefully we'll do a little bit of a feature on Little Hampton. We mentioned, amongst other things, uh, next season. Um, what we're going to talk about in part two of this episode is going to be all things Albion. We have had some transfer news, some big transfer news. Um, one in terms of a sale, one in terms of an almost confirmed purchase. So we're going to talk about that, other transfer discussions and various other bits in part two. But I think it's time for a refill, Peter. I've just been drinking a uh, misty contemporary IPA from the Shreech Kumpli Brewery, whatever that is, um, which is rather tasty, actually. But I need to get another one because I'm rather thirsty. It's been hot in the city today, Peter. Um, and um, I need to wind down after a busy week of work. Ahead of my trip, um, I'm going uh, going to a wedding this week. So looking forward to that. Nobody you know. Um <laughs> Sound like a dodgy pair, a dodgy bunch of people there. <laughs> so that's that's all. My wedding trip starts tomorrow. Yes. Um, okay. So we'll have a break there, and in part two, we'll be talking all things Albion. So, Peter, let's get on to the meaty stuff now, the Albion stuff. And um, we've we've held off. We haven't mentioned it so far, but now is the time to do so. There's been a big sale uh, for a fee which is debatable. It seems to be uh, there's 22.5 mil, 25 mil, 25 plus add-ons, 30 plus add-ons, 30 mil without add-ons, 35, all sorts of prices being quoted. It's for the sale to Tottenham Hotspur. This is their third big signing of the summer of Eve Bissouma. He's finally left the club. It's been confirmed. The fee is certainly debatable. I'm hearing on the grapevine it could be more than a lot of the reports. I uh, hope it is because, I mean, he's in the, coming to the last year of his contract. So obviously the fee is going to be less than it would have been at his height. Uh, when he was further back into his contract a year or two ago. But if it's 22.5 or 25, even with add-ons, I would be pretty disappointed with that. It does sound as if it's a bit more. How much more? Who knows? Um, But um, whatever the fee is, I'm sure we got the best deal we could have done. You know, we've got an excellent owner and negotiator in Tony Bloom if he's involved directly. And even if he isn't, the rest of the team behind him, particularly Paul Barber, are equally hard-nosed in that respect, in a good way. And so... You know, it's the end of an era. Um, he's been with us four years. It's flown by, actually, hasn't it? It seems, seems, I couldn't believe it was four years, but it makes sense, I suppose. Yeah, he didn't really play much the first season. He was a bit in and out, wasn't he? And then and then initially under Potter as well, he was a bit in and out. And then really it was kind of like, I suppose, and then it's the first year and a bit where he was like first team, first choice. He was locked down. So I suppose, yeah, he's only really had one year where he's played every game pretty much. And even then he obviously had some time out last season. That we've been while we've been watching him. So, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a shame, but it's it was inevitable, and it's better to get the money now, especially if we get if it's the upper end of that deal. I'm pretty, I'm reasonably okay with it. But if it's the lower end, it's kind of like, yeah, I, I do think that we've been we've been kind of like conned by Tottenham. I think a bit if uh, if it's the lower yeah. end, but I think it hopefully is the upper end. Yeah. And the yeah. um the yeah, he's it's a decent move for him. He gets Champions League football. Um, good manager to work under, so you know, pleased for him. And we've got in Casado, arguably a better player coming through. So, I mean, I think his potential is much higher. Um, yeah. I think with with Basuma, I mean, he's a fantastic player. He really dominates and bosses the midfield areas, and he is a driving force within any games when he's on form of any sort. I mean, he, you know, he's twenty five years old. 
Uh, he's going to be 26 at the uh, end of August. So he's still got a long way to go and there's more development to come, I'm sure, from him. And Tottenham can look forward to seeing how that works out. Um, however, there are, there are drawbacks in his game. Uh, he was our highest booked player in terms of tally of bookings this season. That's not the first time he's had quite a few. His shooting, um, he's got a couple of cracking goals when he gets it right, but his shooting generally is a weakness, isn't it, within the game? So there are things he'll need to work on. However, I do think he is a superb player without any shadow of a doubt. Although at Tottenham, he's got players further forward, he'll take their chances. So there's less need for him to, to shoot, you know. That's true. Yeah. My favourite favorite front man up there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so um, interesting, I'm just looking on Wiki and actually they've still got him down as a Brighton player, which is interesting because they're usually pretty hot off the mark on that. But yeah, anyway. it hasn't been confirmed yet, has it? So it's like, yeah. yeah. Not, not, yeah, I suppose that's the thing. It sounds like it? next couple of days, as, as with the deal the other way as well that we're talking about with the. Uh, it doesn't normally stop people putting stuff on no. there. Nice and early, to be fair. It's just that people, uh, d- uh, Wikipedia may not be the most accurate source of information in the world. What? <laughs> well, you mean like the time. I find that hard to believe. We're interviewing I, I, you know, with questioning It's my on. life to be Wikipedia, you know, I kind of like. Guarantee everything, you know. Remember the time we were interviewing Kuipers and he was he was um, questioning our uh, our quote on his number of appearances yeah. or something, wasn't he? Um, it was, in fact, he kind of got quite precious on that. I thought I quite like that. So no, no, there's another five games or something. I guess if anybody really cares overall, but um, yeah, I mean his his stats. If you look through, I mean, yeah, it's kind of he hasn't played a huge number of games season to season. Actually, um, if you look at his, as you said, his first season he had twenty eight games in the um, Premier League, uh, 22 the following year, 36 the previous season, so the one just finished, and then 26 this year. Um, African Cup of Nations has interrupted things on occasion. Minor injuries obviously would have done, and there was the issue, which we won't go into detail on, where there's a certain court case hanging around, which would have affected things a little bit. And, of course, that's the other thing that Tottenham now take on as a possible disruption to their to their plans rather than to ours. Um, but, you know, in terms of goals, he's not scored a great number. Just, again, going through his Premier League record, um, season to season with us at zero one one one. So, certainly, you know, it's, that's not his strongest suit. However, you know, he's a great player. He did he score a Tottenham in the Cup, ironically. Yes, that's right. Yeah, of course, last season against um, against them in the FA Cup, not that it did us any good um, in the end. But, you know, cracking player. We, he goes with our well-wishing the only major gutter, apart from losing him in general, is the fact, of course, we lose one of our best songs as well, yet again. Um, season to season, we, we lose a good song. The Knockout song goes, the Bruno song goes. Now now it's Basuma's. Uh, oh, well, at least we've got the Moises Caicedo Abba song to comfort us with. So it's not just about the player being replaced. It's the song as well. Um, so he, he's... Subject to final confirmation, he's now going for whatever fee it's going to be. That money, whatever it is, can go towards um, some new signings, one of whom also not yet confirmed, but seemingly more and more is the case. It seems seems that it has gone through by the shouting is Julio Cesar Enciso, Paraguayan forward, who we've been interested in and have bid on before. Didn't quite get it over the line in the last window. Looks like this is going to happen this time round. Uh, he plays for Paraguayan Primera División side club Libertad at the moment and um, comes to us with a good reputation. He's a, he's a bright young prospect. Um, he's only 18 years old at the moment. Uh, and that was in January. So he's, he's, you know, he's a young lad um, and looks a good prospect. Don't haven't seen much of him, to be honest, but he comes with a good record, doesn't he? 
Um, if we can get them over the line, that would be one good bit of early business done. Yeah, and it's obviously quite a lot of money to commit to a player of that age and who's never mm. played in Europe before. So, yeah, a club obviously think there's a real potential there and went back, obviously, when there were issues in January that meant it didn't go through. So, yeah, an interesting signing. It adds to another another South American country to our bow as well. Already yeah. got Colombia, Argentina, Ecuador. So, uh, is that it, I think? And then we, yeah, we've got, um, now we've got Paraguay. At the well. moment, on the current squad, yeah. Yeah, we've, we've probably ticked most of the boxes now, haven't we? If you if you count past past players as well, like uh, Bernardo of Brazil. But yes, anyway, um, we look forward to seeing him. It's going to be a case of him coming into the summer camp and uh, into the training camp, see how he is, see how we feel, how they feel about him. Maybe look to loan him out if necessary. But who knows? I mean, Grand Potter does bring some younger players in at earlier stages. But we have been generally quite known to be tentative and careful and cautious with the way we introduce players, haven't we? Even Casado, we loaned him out. It didn't work out because the, the club we loaned him to ended up in a bit of a mess. But overall, you know, the, the, the general policy is loan him out, get them a little bit more acclimatised to the European game. Tim Vickery, the South American expert, always says that's a, a big asset and a big difference if you can, if you can get them phased in through another European yeah, I, mean, I, know, I know Sarmiento wasn't coming over from South America, but he was, he hadn't played in, in England for a while you know, since he was at Charlton, the youngster, and he, he came in and everyone assumed he'd be loaned out, but he was kept in and probably would have been much more involved in the squad this season if it wasn't for his injuries. So, you know, it's kind of, they might do that with him as well. They might keep him there for the first half of the season, see what he's doing in the under 23, see if he's, you know, see, if, see what's happening. And then if he's doing well, he might get a chance in the team. If not, then he might get loaned out in January. Yeah, that's it. I mean, he's, he's described as a forward or a winger. Obviously, we've got um, Undav coming in. We've still got more pay. As far as we know, there's no change going to happen there. We've got Danny Welbeck, seems to be coming in for another year. Um, I don't know if Sakiri will probably get loaned out again, I would imagine. Um, and I doubt Connolly's going to feature for us. So there might be a play out there as well. We've got quite a lot of, of options. Yeah. And play, you know, we've got quite a few. Attacking midfielders and you know, players like Kadra as well. And yeah, Kadra, Kad- Mitoma obviously coming into the equation as well. Lamiento. Yeah. There's a lot of kind of options. So, yeah, for yeah. two so or three front... Th- it's either be a front two or three, depending on whether we play the extra midfielder or not. Yeah. You know, so it's even we stick with the tactics we have now. So, it's, yeah, there's a lot of... You know, we've got a lot of players in those positions. And I still wouldn't be surprised to see us go for another striker as well. Yeah, I mean, it does seem that he's most likely to go out on loan, doesn't it, really? Because I, I don't think Sarmiento is going to go on loan. We'll definitely feature him. No, he won't. No, absolutely. Definitely. And I think Matoma, having been on loan and done well, they'll be ready. Unless something crops up, he'll be he'll be involved as well. So it seems likely with Trossard, unless Trossard goes, um, I, I don't see anything other than a, probably a loan in the first six months or in the second uh, period of the season, maybe, but yeah, it, if they may be... feel with nine subs, they've got more chance to use them as well. Of course, that's the other thing, you know, with attacking mm. options. If in a game that's already won, already lost, or something, or yeah, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But we have a bigger squad this season because of the nine sub rule or the five sub rule. Sorry, you can use five subs. Yeah, that's it. Um, in terms of fee, we're hearing rumours that it's somewhere is it ten mil? Yeah, I think, so, I, think. Like... I think it's a bit more than we were trying to get him for before. I'm not quite sure what it was in the end that, that caused it not to go over the line. Was it there just was some suggestion about some sort of rights or something like that to uh, like rights around you know kind of his um, name yeah. and that sort? Of, but yeah, it wasn't clear. I mean, it wasn't. No one. I don't think anyone agrees on. You know, could probably take different people would say different things. Yeah, but I'm glad they've resurrected it because it sounded like he was. You know, he's quite a good prospect. And 
it would have been a shame to let it slip over. Yeah. Um, just looking at his stats on transfer market, by the way, um, according to this, 14 appearances last season, 11 goals and three assists. Um, he was a starting 11 feature for 78% of the time, playing an average 73 minutes, I think it was. Or sorry, 73% of the minutes. Um, so he got subbed a few times. Goal participation, 36%, whatever that means. And only one yellow card. So those are fairly favourable stats. That's obviously a small kind of, you know, a sample of his uh, of his abilities there. But well, that kind of, the Paraguayan league is probably not the strongest. No, not the easiest thing to um, to, to get a, a safe and sorted um, um, sort of representation from, is it? But um, we'll see how it goes. Assuming he does sign after this podcast, um, or it does get confirmed anyway, we, we will say now welcome to the club <laughs> in anticipation of. But uh, let's see what happens. We, we obviously, we will need other players. And we'll talk about them as and when they come up or nearly come up. Um, have you heard any other rumours, Peter, that of any note? I'm There's not a couple of left-backs being linked, but I think it mainly could be because people keep rumouring about Kukurea and and whether, you know, if he goes, and that, yeah, we're linked with a Porto left-back um, from Nigeria, or I think he's not, I can't remember his name now, Sinsenusi yeah. or something like that, um, and one or two others. But yeah, nothing particularly strong. I mean, Sanusi, the club often does that, you know, like Mwepu last year, no one had heard about until like a day before and then... Do you say he was called Zanussi? Because if we sign him, he could be a bit of a, he could be called the fridge. We've got the, yeah. The, there's a lot of comments about that on, uh, I think on the Twitter. <laughs> We've got the computer, so. haven't we? And uh, you know, it could all be about household appliances and electrical uh, items, couldn't it? Brilliant. <laughs> um, so yeah, just I mean, one other thing actually about the Albion squad in general. Interestingly, Malcolm, um, friend of the show, known to some as Cheshire, who we had on our last match day special, the West Ham um, podcast. Um, friend, a good friend of ours. Um, I mean, he, he posted something on one of the WhatsApp groups, which I thought was rather interesting. I'll just quote what it says. He said, um, after decades of supporting little old Brighton, it takes some getting used to the ways of our top half Premier League status. He says, take the players contracted and you think of the 25 players list plus a few under 23s not on that list. Currently, for the new season, we have 68 players plus 12 scholars who will be 18 during this coming season. I'm, I'm, he posted this before the uh, the transfer news, so you can get balances out anyway. It's still the same, isn't it, if they, they both happen? Um, anyway, he goes on to say, there are no surprises in the retained list. Welbeck is included, but we knew he was staying. And Ostergaard, the last one on my list, whose old contract ended this month, but has not heard um, anything about it being renewed. An added bonus is Zach Sturge, who is currently playing in the England under-18 squad. It was widely reported back in February that he was off to a European club, having refused to sign a new contract. Uh, Malcolm goes on, clearly the prestige of winning the Sussex Senior Cup changing his mind. (laughs) I'm sure that was it. Anyway, he says, of course, with players coming out of the Amex woodwork, the lists will be shortened by loans. 20 or so players were loaned out last season, for example, and no doubt similar numbers will be going out this season. There isn't a new rule starting this season which means that they can't loan out so many players or something, or there's some... Is there? Yeah. I think well, it's starting just, now, certainly just, kind of, well, maybe certainly, certainly foreign players. I think once you develop yourself, you can, but not one sort of, not once you've brought in or something like that. I don't know, but I can't remember exactly what the rule is. Hmm. Okay, well, well, I mean, he finishes off by saying, still a lot of players on the books, and that is before we even look at the women's team who work, whose working model is aiming to be similar to the men. So an interesting post. I mean, that, your point there about the change to the um the loan conditions permitted conditions might 
be quite a significant one for us, actually. Yeah. If you can't loan out anywhere near as many players as you want to loan out, that's going to be a big problem for the likes of yeah. us. And maybe even for Chelsea, who notoriously have, have been using that policy themselves. I don't know if that's been um, somewhat diluted by having to get rid of a load of people because of the situation they were in before. I don't know. But it's going to affect certain clubs more than others, isn't it? And um, it sounds like we'll be one of them, if that's the case. But um, I think yes. for what it's worth, it sounds like Ostergaard, that's another story, of course, is, is actually under contract still. Um, and obviously it's moving from the sound of it. There's rumours that Napoli are interested, which it's an interesting signing because he seems to want first team football here. But I find it hard to believe he's going to get it at Napoli. So obviously they're a top four yeah. side in, in Serie A. So I, yeah, anyway, obviously he obviously made an impression for Genoa last year. And uh, they seem interested, but I doubt he's going to get more first-team football at Napoli than he would here. I would be inclined to agree with you, except to say that it's a very defensive nation in terms of the, the way they set up. And I think um, they do they do set their stall out quite a lot with the, you know, or give a lot of credence to the defensive arts within the game in Italy. Mm. Um, I wonder if it's just there's certain credentials in his play that they've identified and... He got sent have... off twice for Genoa, so maybe that's it. Really? Getting sent off defending in Italy? That's quite impressive, actually. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, it sounds like he's dropped below Van Hecker in the, in the, in the yeah. list anyway, so... It seems sensible to me that he'd be one that would go, same as Connolly, to be honest, um, at the other end of the field for us. Um, there's certain players that you just think aren't going to make it. I'm, I'm inclined to wonder whether Clark, was, I've said this before, of course, Matt, uh, Matt Clark as well. I don't, I'm not sure he's going to quite make the grade. Just not so much that he's not a good player, but just I think with the other options we've got, yeah. it's not maybe well, not going to I think in. we do need a fifth option. I think, you know, if you assume that Webster, Dunk, Beltman and Van Hecker will be in the four options, and you reckon Duffy probably will go, they do need a fifth option from somewhere, whether it's Clark or, or Duffy does stay, but I wouldn't have thought he'd want to. Or yeah. I'm wondering um, if they bring through Ostergaard or someone. Do you reckon they do try to bring through somebody from the ranks? I mean, is Hayden Roberts or somebody like that? Maybe well, Roberts be didn't get any game up. in the last season, so I doubt him. The other option is if we do, you know, keep Pukarea, he obviously did pretty well there. And, uh, they, and apparently, both well, Elsie March and also uh, apparently Matoma has played left wing back as well. So yeah, that could be the option, I suppose, that you kind of have you move Kukurea back if needed and. March comes across and covers. But I do think you need another wing-back, at least as an option then in that case. Yeah, to an extent, um, I suppose, Veltman a little bit as well. But yeah, I mean, in general, though, you do need, you would need another body there. But just wondering what they're thinking. Maybe they're looking at an upgrade of some sort. Maybe Clark gets a chance, who knows? Um, You know, I I suppose he's deserving of a chance if he's not moving elsewhere, doesn't want to move on elsewhere. He's deserving of a chance, at least in the squad for next season. And if he's fifth choice, then... Frankly, he's probably not going to get loads of games anyway, you know, or or battling uh, Van Hecker to be that main backup. Yeah. Then give him a give him a go and see what happens. They've got to make a decision this summer one way or the other, I think, because he's only got one year left in his deal. So it'll be a waste of money to lose a player who obviously has been pretty good in the championship and we could get some money for on a yeah. free transfer next year if we just decide yeah. to keep him for one more, for one year, see what he ha- see what happens, or loan him out for another year. We need to either sell him or extend his contract and keep him, in my view. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so I agree with you. And obviously, you're looking at the Cups, League Cup, FA Cup. Um, I don't know, it feels suited to players that with championship experience, putting them in, in those situations, yeah. doesn't it? And obviously, you can have both of those players, Van Hecker and um, Clark playing in, in centre-back roles 
in but I think Clark Europe. played left sided centre back as well, so it would be a, a burn replacement, obviously, which we Yeah, that's in. true. That's true. So would be an option. Mm. But we'll see anyway. Obviously the summer will pan out, we'll find out who we're who we're keeping and who we're not. The the retained and um and release list that was announced, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, mainly to do with sort of scholars and the younger players. Anything in there that particularly stood out or nothing? Nothing huge, I don't think, no. Um, Jack Spong. Serge Dane is a big one because he'd obviously got England experience. Yeah, yeah. Huge, Jack Spong, isn't he? Jack Spong. A pie is still already on the books, I think. Yeah. But I think Ella has been released, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, Tudor Baluta's been released. The guy yeah. with the name that trips off the tongue like nobody else is. It's a great name. Um, but he, he he looked like he had a bit of promise as a sort of like a deep-lying midfielder type of possible prospect for the future. Went on loan, had some bad injuries, and it just seems to have petered away for him. Yeah. The tall eye has been retained, hasn't he? Um, I yeah, think. And, and Wilson as well, the other striker. Yeah, yeah. So we look forward to seeing... And McGill, um, who I heard rumoured was going to leave, but it's, it's been not retained. The goalie, well. Tom McGill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was on loan at Worthing, wasn't he? Is that Possibly right? at one point. I might be right in saying, yeah. So well, that ball, um, that, that Toby Bull, I think, who's also been retained. I think it was all known at Worthy at one point. Is that true or is it just Bull? Toby or not Toby. That's the... <laughs> Indeed. So, uh, well, I mean, I'm enjoying another beer. I'll just have to mention at this stage, which is a land beer. Well, okay. Well, whatever that means. You are on land, so it's helpful, you know. Produced by the sea beer now. <laughs> a sea beer, yes. That is produced by the Ad Astra Brewery. And I've got to say, I think I prefer the Misty, um, to be honest. Um, but um, not bad, not bad. Another IPA. And they're going down well after a hard working week. Um, Peter, you're not on the beers. You're, you're being good, aren't you, ahead of the wedding? I'm, I'm having a bit of preparation. Well, I'm not ahead of the wedding, just just tonight. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not going to pretend I'm being good all week. I, we've, we went for a walk last night and ended up in a pub. That's funny enough. You know, so. <laughs> well, any other business from you, Peter, before we wrap up? Nothing from my side, no. Hopefully, yeah, we get the the, 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 the signing of um, uh, Enciso over, over the line this week and we can move on to the next targets, hopefully. And uh, hopefully there's one or two boiling under that we don't really hear about and they get kept very quiet and then we uh, we hear about them when they're announced. Well, that is very Albion. We do like to do that from time to yeah. time, don't we? Oh, and fixtures tomorrow, so... Yes, as we recall, which is Wednesday, uh, fixtures tomorrow, Thursday, the 16th of June. Um, of course, in the best traditions of ridiculous um, fake news, uh, there's been some sort of l- supposed leak of the fixtures. Now, this happens every year, or it feels like it does, and it's always complete and utter bullshit. Yeah. Who cares about the fixtures enough to leak? The, the, you know, why would that be a thing? You'd risk your job to leak information yeah. about the fixtures. Well, there was something... There was some there was some suggestion that the Premier League had messed up in one way because apparently there was some comment that one of the that they the Premier League Twitter account made after um after the Harlem signing where it said something about at Bournemouth and put like and put like kind of see like click LinkedIn Bournemouth and um laughed or put a timer or something like that about Harlem and it was like, Well, does that mean Bournemouth are playing City first game? I mean I, I think honestly... I think the one thing we do kinda of know is I think we're away first game because I think it's Pride weekend. Yeah. We've tended to be home uh, I away think they were they were describing a, a home match for this this leaked thing, which made it immediately obviously bullshit. And they also had three of the first four games at home as well. They never they never do it like that. They always do alternate games or you never go too ahead of I wouldn't have thought of that early in the season either. So yeah, it was all Completely pointless, you say, and bollocks. And 
yeah. yeah away a, a London game would be nice I'd say London game away from home first up hmm. Brentford the one that you keep missing yeah well, I've missing, but... missed once yeah I've not done yeah. I'm proud yeah, Brentford away it. Fulham away would be a good one that's always a nice trip yeah Fulham away not on a bloody evening would be nice for a change yeah. Yeah, last time was was so, oh, not obviously last time we played we weren't able to go but the time before when we lost, we lost four two of them in two up and it absolutely hammered down with rain it was not a fun experience no. I've had some really good nights there as well. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yes, it's not the biggest issue at all. Yeah, we've got to play all of the other 19 teams home and away in some kind of order. It, I think it, it doesn't matter too much. I think it, what, where it might be that you can get benefit or not benefit, actually, is possibly if you don't have to... When there's like a lot of games going on in a sort of space of time, you don't play a really a winnable game right after playing a City Liverpool sort of thing in midweek. You know, because mm. kind of, obviously you've got to get you've got a lot of work into City Liverpool, then you you don't win and then you lose then the next game as a result because of the effort you put in. So it's a bit of an issue, but yeah, so yeah, it will be. I mean, that's in a way it's right, and and also not having like a, a run of games against the big six, which is what we've had sometimes in previous years. You know, having them spread out and you know a winnable few games at the start, maybe a winnable few games at the end, but, but yeah, but yeah. As you say, we play everyone once at home and once away, so it doesn't really... Yeah, not not overall. Um, I mean, I've got this funny feeling we're going to be playing Man City again at the end of the season, and I'm wondering this time if that were to be... I don't know why I've got this in my head, but if it were to be the case, I'm wondering if we could be a, a title-deciding contributor uh, this time around. Last you can rule time, out your... Oh, a contributor. I thought you were going to say, like, match. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, I don't mean it's going to be a head-to-head for the title, though. Um, but, you know... I thought you, might, um, I thought you might have had too much of that beer. <laughs> no, the, the, the Glenn Murray got taken the lead last time and they ended yeah. up with 4-1. You know, that kind of thing minus the 4-1 bit. Um, now, who knows? Who knows? It could be. I mean, the, the one other thing to mention is, of course, because of the World Cup, I haven't looked at the exact logistics, but because of the World Cup interrupting the, the flow and there's going to be a slight gap as well as the actual tournament time, um, I'm assuming there's going to be more midweek fixtures and the more compressed. Yeah, fixtures. I think we're starting we a week starting early. Week early, they're, yeah. They're finishing, finishing a week late. Yeah. And they have got two two course up from um, two course up from thingy um, for an international breaks not going on. So oh, yeah. are, they have caught up four, I think, of those. So there's yeah. going to be a couple more midweeks, but not loads, I don't think. It's not going to be like as bad as you think. Maybe they should have scrapped the Europa League. You're saying the Nations League and said Europa League by mistake. Maybe they actually should scrap, scrap the Europa football League. as a whole for the whole season, just like. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess the worst scenario here is for the Championship, isn't it? Because they're going to have a load of international players, uh, normally in international weeks. Championship doesn't play, um, and and yet they're going to have a much bigger fixture schedule yeah. compressed. They've already got most of the midweeks taken up that can be taken up, and um, that's going to be hell, isn't it? I would imagine for them. Yeah, it'd be really difficult, very tough season in the championship, and probably again will benefit the bigger teams. You know, the mm. teams like say uh, Norwich probably because they'll have they'll you know have the quality to go up again, and teams like that. You know, kind of who invested a bit of money in a decent squad and. And Watford as well have a bit of depth, and that will kind of give them plenty of, yeah, an advantage over the, you know, the likes of Rotherham who don't really have that depth. Yeah, yeah. So that wraps it up, I think. So for for this episode, Peter, um, 
Final words from me. I mean, just the usual um, housekeeping stuff. Um, thanks again to everyone for listening for this for this year. We will be doing some more podcasts during the uh, couple, at least a couple more during the summer. A couple of interview uh, episodes lined up, which uh, stay tuned for information on that. If you subscribe and follow us, of course, they'll land in your uh, whatever it is uh, straight away. Anyway, if you don't follow us or subscribe, get on with it. Come on. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Yeah. And if you do, and if you listen on Apple, if you could review us with five star reviews, that would be fantastic. It would all help with our ratings and so on and so forth. Unless you give a low um, mark. Yes, don't do that, please. <laughs> um, thanks again to our um, Patreon, our first patron that signed up with us. Andy, thumbs up to you for being our first. Superb. Um, thanks again to Sports Social, who've been hosting our, or we've been under the umbrella of during the, uh, the last year or two. Uh, thanks again to them. And um, also, just to mention, for anyone that's into films, if you haven't already checked it out, I do a Film Fives podcast with my good mate, Phil, who's also an Albion fan as well, um, where we count down our fives alternately uh, on any given subject, directors, actors, themes, genres, uh, music, whatever it might be. And we've got another one coming up very soon in the next week or two with the subject being the classic Hollywood film director, Billy Wilder. Um, So check that one out. That will be out in the next week or two. Um, next up, we're, we're going to be chatting to Louis Miles, the film director, documentarian who made the Kaiser film. We had him on to talk about that before. And we've got a, him coming back on what will probably be our next episode, um, talking about his new film called Croatia, about the Croatian World Cup um, campaigning team from the late 90s. Uh, set against the backdrop, of course, against the wars in the former Yugoslavia and so on and so forth. Interesting stuff. The trailer looks great. We're looking forward to that. One other thing to mention as well, um, you've probably already seen it online, everybody, but um, there is a film about the Albion's struggles, the war years and the battle to get to where we are now, um, which looks from the trailer to be superb. I'm gutted to say Peter and I do not feature in that film in any way or all, uh, way or all, any, uh, any way around. Not that but, we're aware um, of. No, not that we're aware of, yeah. Um, but it's been apparently it's been produced by Matt Lorenzo, who people will know as a like a TV presenter slash football bod from uh, previous years. Um, he's involved in the project. Apparently, it's getting released around the autumn time. I think um, it looks pretty good. We'll try and get some content on that one as well uh, as time goes closer um, to that. So look out for that. But in the meantime, Peter, let's do the traditional sign off, shall we? Stand or fall? Up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network.